Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Anne Filippi, founder of The New Health Club. If you want to know about psychedelics as new mental health tools, you came to the right place. I talk to innovators, thought leaders, and disruptors, creating the future of mental health and mental wellness. And we think that the future is already here. Hi, and welcome to a new episode of the New Health Club Show. In today's episode, I present you our first psychedelic morning show. A really great collaboration I had with Joe Moore from Psychedelics Today at the Psychedelic Science Conference by MAPS in Denver in June. To me, it was an incredible joint venture of two podcasts, a community service at the same time. Actually, at a very early time of the day, 7.30, and we tried to keep it fun. <laughs> Trying to talk about the weather and coffee like you do on a morning show, while not forgetting talking about drugs and psychedelics. Our first episode is wild. We had Julie Holland, American psychopharmacologist, psychiatrist and author, plus Daniel Goldberg, co-founder of Palo Santo on the show, famous for their highly entertaining conversations. Then we had Melissa Lavasani, founder and chief executive officer at Psychedelic Medicine Coalition, founder and president of Psychedelic Medicine Pack and Tracy T., founder of Moms on Mushrooms. Watch out for their march in Washington next year for the Moms on Mushrooms and their right to be on mushrooms. And we had the great Hadas Altaman, Director of Government Affairs at the American Psychedelic Practitioners Association. Please enjoy the first volume of our amazing Denver morning show. So welcome to, uh, what are we calling this thing? The uh, Yeah, welcome to the morning show where we talk about coffee, very drugs, early and the weather. Coffee, drugs, and the weather. <laughs> so uh, I'm Joe Moore, CEO, co-founder of Psychedelics Today. My name is Anne Filippi, uh, founder of the New Health Club podcast. Happy to do this today with Joe and our amazing guests, Julie Holland and Daniel Goldberg. You want to have a very quick introduction? Mini introduction. Hi, I'm Julie. Hi, everybody. And then you say like, hi, Dr. Julie. Um, thank you so much. Feel seen and heard. Um, I know you guys can't hear me very well because I have a, back, a backing band that is mostly mechanical. Um, uh, I've published five books, uh, one on MDMA, one on Uh, cannabis, uh, a memoir about my nine years running the psychiatric emergency room at Bellevue, a book about how women are overdiagnosed, pathologized, and medicated called Moody Bitches, 
And my last book is about connection and psychedelics and growth and learning, and it's called Good Chemistry. I have a large private practice in psychiatry in New York City, and it's full, don't ask. Uh, I am married with two children, and I, we sing in a duo, a band called The Rivals, and we do musical couples therapy, which turns out is a thing no one else is doing. Great. Uh, and uh, I'm a medical advisor for a whole lot of companies, some of which I sang about last night. And you, Daniel? Daniel? This is, uh, why didn't you let me do my intro first? This is like the, you know, like Martin Luther King gives the I have the dream speech, and there's like someone that has to go after. Yeah, no, I got a good speech. Uh, I'm Daniel Goldberg, um, co-founder of Palo Santo. We're a, uh, fund, a venture capital fund that invests in psychedelic therapeutics. Um, I also wrote a book called Moody Bitches, but there was a... Um, I guess it was done before, so we changed it to Moody Biatches. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's exciting. And I'm, I'm married with um, four children. Um, All of whom uh, are <laughs> XY chromosome. Yeah. I don't even know what that means. Oh, X, oh good boy. <laughs> I thought I was going to make a... I don't want to misgender your children, but that yeah. I have genetically tested you them. Will, like you will misgender them just by even saying a gender. But yeah, go ahead. Well, here we are to kick off the morning show. Uh, Already deep into the topic. Yeah, there's a lot we're going to get into here. So uh, first, are you guys really, uh, you know, have you landed yet? Have you, do you feel like you've arrived at the conference at this point? Yeah, I mean, I, I came in Tuesday night. It's Thursday morning, so I'm fully acclimated. I could, I could run a marathon at this elevation without any problem right now. It's a 5K tomorrow. Heroic I only, I only do marathons. I'm sorry. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, five Ks. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I'm 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 not like a last minute guy. So I arrived in uh, April to get prepared, um, mainly because I saw that they were doing a two month ayahuasca circle. Uh, that they don't skip a night, by the way. It's a, they go every night. So I feel pretty cleansed. Denver's a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, did, I did notice that your your crown chakra is like super brilliant this morning. You also like Thank uh, you. very very. Clear, I can see it from here. Like, so, but Clear, did you mean self-actualized and perfect? <laughs> yeah, thanks, I just wanted to make sure, yeah. So, I mean, we, we have to talk about this weather here, which is something I think about. So, it is Miami during the day and the Alps by night. Is this something that affects you in some way? I'm used to it. <laughs> right. Um, I, you know, I, uh, I'm used to just having multiple layers of clothing on. It was something I learned from some of the patients at Bellevue, which is a terrible joke. Uh, so taking things off, putting things on. Um, I just, I packed the hugest bag I've ever packed for five days, basically. But if we are going to talk about the weather, I do need to mention that we were, uh, the rivals were playing last night at a, at a roast, a psychedelic roast, which, by the way, this ecosphere is ripe for satire. I have to say, like like a perfectly fuckable peach. And, um, sorry, what was I saying? And last night there was a huge thunderbolt, lightning bolt, really loud thunder, and then hail for a significant period of time uh, while we were trying to be funny and put on a show. And uh, just a couple weeks in New York at my house, we had like the worst, longest hail we've ever had with like huge piles as if they were snowdrifts of balls of ice. And uh, I would say we're going to have to get uh, acclimated to having a lot more extreme weather events. 
if you want to talk about the weather with me, it's, it's going to segue into climate change. I like where that went. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, so this, is what, this is part of the conspiracy. There, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, evil kind of for-profit, um, you know, it's, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's real in this space. And corporations, some, some, of the, some which we fund, get, are kind of be the boogeyman. But it's really the psychiatrists. Because they it's all the hot air is that they, what you're no they they create you know they create the fear I mean now I have to be worried about climate change we create the fear and I'm going to go to therapy to deal with uh, climate grief which is going to be in the DSM which actually should I climate joke grief I wrote about climate grief in in Moody Bitches it's absolutely a yeah. thing and I think I wrote about it in Good Chemistry as well yeah and and I and I joke because it's a morning show. What I like about it is you can joke about anything. It's like, I felt like I watched, I actually studied up on this. I watched Fox and Friends for years, getting ready for this. Uh, and I know that you can, no, if it's a morning show, it's true, it's a morning show, you can, uh, you can be, first of all, uh, pretty and beautiful and, you know, and I almost, you know, and you, you're a blonde woman. You can go oh, on Fox talking. and Friends. Oh, you were talking about Anne. Yeah, and, and no, no, I was talking about, about myself, no, no, I meant because you know the hosts, the hosts are, are, but you can joke about anything, right? I mean, we can we can go full deep into jokes about racism or storming the Capitol if in the morning you can you can make those jokes. So climate right, grief is right. funny in the morning if it's light and quippy. Yeah, and at night it's actually horrible because you're thinking about it at two in the morning and worried about your, if your kids are ever going to have kids. Well, but the last morning show I've seen in Miami was Will Smith at 7 a.m. talking about ayahuasca. Do you think this is a good thing? Like his ayahuasca? Well, actually, I do. I want to answer that seriously. Um, I've done a t shit ton of media. Uh, I've been on the Today Show 27 times. I've been on Good Morning America. Uh, Kelly and Ryan... Uh, lots and lots and, and the more time they give me the more I will take and when I did Kelly and Ryan which is a Disney company they gave me a double session that was eight minutes on morning TV eight minutes is a lifetime and I got in as much information microdosing macrodosing harm reduction that that anything uh, they asked me a question I would talk until they were like I have another question for you because it's important. There's lots of people uh, in the middle of the country or up in the woods or anywhere who, you know, people who have been traumatized, people who are addicted, or people who just uh, need recreation or, you know, self-exploration. Uh, I am definitely one of those people who doesn't really separate recreational from medical, except to say that the medical model is safer based on our drug policy, if nothing else. So... Uh, and I'm all about safety and reducing harm, but I also, uh, I want people to know that this is an option, that there are things that really work better than what we've been using in psychiatry. So, yeah, if Will Smith wants to talk about ayahuasca at seven in the morning, if Michael Tyson wants to talk about the toad, uh, really, you know, going out there aggressively, as long as there are scientists and clinicians behind these people uh, picking up the pieces and reminding about harm reduction, reminding that we have a poisoned drug supply at the moment, uh, I'm, I'm all for information. Uh, the Mike Tyson thing. <laughs> I have a fight with Mike Tyson. He doesn't know it yet. Did you win? No, I think so, but it's ongoing. So it's like uh, we have to really recognize these things that are going uh, the way of the dodo. And um, should we really, for pleasure or healing, be making something go extinct when a viable synthetic alternative is available where the clinical data shows, not right. clinical, what naturalistic data shows. It's the same experience. So leave the toad alone, please. If yeah. You can. So, and when I, uh, when I get into opportunities like this, you know, we need to talk about su sustainability and uh, cutting down peyote that takes 20 years to grow is not sustainable. Uh, milking and traumatizing a bunch of toads, uh, 
may not be sustainable. I've had people tell me, oh, we had so much rain, there's a lot of toads right now, it's not a problem. Like, uh, the, the bottom line is that we know that laboratory animals can't distinguish between uh, synthetic and natural, and uh, the average bioassay has a lot of trouble distinguishing. So there is synthetic mescaline, there is synthetic 5-MeO-DMT, they're fine, they're good, they work, and uh, no animals or plants were harmed, and yes. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good point. Much. I was going to say natural versus uh, synthetic. Since we're getting so serious, and I have to, you know, we had a whole panel a little on credible. that. Remember, yeah, a couple South years ago. Southwest. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. That's gonna go you up. We're on, on that panel. What? No, oh. God, no. I let my partner Tim Schlitt yeah, to the smart. science panels. But no. I was, I was on the no. panel with a couple of, of scientists who advised for Paulo Santo, uh, Charles Nichols, Dave Nichols's son. Um, and John McCorvey, and you know, we all talked about synthetic versus natural. And yes, I I absolutely believe in you know the entourage phenomenon uh, that um, I'm blanking on his name. He's going to kill me, Evan. Anyway, uh, in cannabis, we have all sort of accepted that it's not just THC, it's not just CBD. There's a lot of other. Uh, terpenes and flavonoids and a lot of other chemicals that go into making, you know, it's like a symphony and maybe those are the main players, but there's lots of other players that make the whole concert enjoyable. And the same thing is true, I think, with most plant medicines. Most medicines that come from the fungus kingdom, uh, it's not one chemical. On the other hand, uh, I personally have ingested synthetic mescaline and I had a perfectly divine experience. And we can... Uh, synthesize the main psychoactive chemicals and give somebody an experience that's probably pretty close to what they would get in nature um, and also easier to measure and make sure it's pure and uh, dare I say in this capitalist society but commodify you know uh, I'm an MD and we're not used to prescribing plants and mushrooms we're used to prescribing milligrams uh, in a particular frequency so, do, should we even use the word drugs anymore? I use it every day. <laughs> um, I, I think at this point a lot of us are using drugs and medicine interchangeably, and um, I know that there are some people in this, the psychedelic uh, manscape, who uh, take offense at one word or the other. Um, I, especially, yeah. especially because I feel like a lot of people are calling these plant medicines, alternative medicines, and you know, 20, 30 years ago they would just be called drugs. Um, my patients, I prescribe them medicine, but they call them drugs all the time. I mean, I'm not gonna cor correct people. I only correct somebody if they call me Mrs. Oh. Really, would you? I would never do that. Yeah, I mean, call me Julie or call me Dr. Holland. I'm, except the, ki Holland, the kids. What about Mrs. Julie? That happens a lot. You know, when they go, like, oh, Miss, Miss, oh, Miss Julie. Can Miss I, Julie, yeah. I'll, I'm fine with it's the Mrs. I seem to have a problem with. No, I am married, uh, and my kids have my husband's last name, as we do in this patriarchal society. So if they call me Mrs. Wolf, I won't correct them because then that's just being a bitch. Actually, it's Dr. Holland. But in a in a work situation, if somebody's leaving me a voicemail, you. Know, you know, and they want me to call them back, and they say misses, and I just won't. So what are you all pumped about for this, uh, the rest of the uh, conference? Anything in particular? Parties, or? I am pumped. Uh, I am moderating a panel at like 10, 15, 10, 30. I sh shouldn't I know this by now? Yeah, today. Um, 
I just realized I'm opposite Ben Sessa, which is terrible because I want to see Ben Sessa. This is why I don't like these three-ring circus, eight different lectures going on at once. Um, I'm moderating a panel about MDMA and its history, and we have all the big MDMA research stars that will be there. Uh, Marcella Otolora and Karen Safardi and, oh wait, Sarfati, I keep doing that. Um, and Michael Midhofer and Charlie Grobe, and we're gonna be talking about MDMA. And then I'm doing a book signing at four, another podcast at two, that's, um, and I'm having a small party tonight that I'm not gonna announce, because you're not all invited. I, I didn't know your panel, wait, so your panel, that's a cool panel, 10, 10, 15? All right, mine's at 12, and they want me in the, the speaker's room like eight hours early. I don't even show up to international flights two hours early. I, right. Can I go to your panel, and can I check into the green room and go to your panel, and then check out, like, yeah. you yeah. can just say that you're Michael Mithoffer. Yeah, it be uh, so that's a cool panel, and mine is at noon. I did not make up, mine's at noon, I did not make up the name, the maps wrote the name of the panel and all that, just so you know. And I say that because I feel like, um, can I, I'm, wait, is this a roast? Can I make fun of maps a little? They, they make up the name of the panel and I feel like they took like 100 or 200 words and just that they wanted to like in, put it in chat GPT and it, like that they want like the for-profit space to look like, like it was like the future of conscious capitalism, social equ equity in the new markets of whatever. No, I mean, I get it, but we're gonna talk about the real, what's really going on in investing in and, and funding in Veg Capital, and I want to see your panel. Also, Matt Baggett, who's one of the leading experts in MDMA, has a panel sometime today, and I would recommend seeing that one as well. There's a lot. I, I, don't, think it, yeah. I don't think it conflicts with that. I don't know. But that he's another MDMA uh, OG, and, right, OG, can I say that? Yeah, he's old enough to be. If you're over 30, you can be an OG. Yeah, I met, I met Mac in 99, so that's OG enough, right? 24 years ago? I, I, I came around, you know, like five years ago, and people, like the next 8,000 people that join the space call me an OG, and then I look at them and I go, I used to say, I used to say, I stand on the shoulders of those who took the risks long before me, but now I just say, oh, those people? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're lucky to have us. All right, it's morning show stuff. I'll get serious later. <laughs> I'll get serious. How later. do you prepare f physically? Do you for a conference like do you follow strictly like a glucose, avoiding <clears throat> them? Absolutely, intermittent fasting and power napping and. Uh, uh, yeah, I went, I went to a, a chiropractor, but a, just an energetic chiropractor, so that you don't—they don't actually touch you, you know. But they, but they, <laughs> but you feel aligned after. So I did, I did some of that, and uh, you know, chanting, body work, breath work, um, you know, the usual. Uh, I put some polish on my nails. Uh, yeah, that's it. It's, it's literally the first time I have, I really have no idea if you're serious or not, but I live in uh, Chicago. I'm from Chicago uh, area, uh, Highland Park, Illinois, and I have been, uh, I have been, Huberman was here, Andrew Huberman, and long before he was talking about it, we were jumping in the lake, my boys and I, for the last couple years, and uh, it's cold, the water's cold still. It's getting warmer because of global, it is getting warmer, but I would have jumped in the lake, so I take a cold shower. When I get five hours sleep, when I get home from a party last night and I realize that it's a morning show, I take a cold shower, but it's not actually cold enough. Once you get used to it, you know, you, you need colder water. So I, I have um, pharmaceutical drugs that help. And 
You know, I want to tell you something. We dig, we destigmatize all drugs except pharmaceutical drugs. Here, everyone's like, yeah. oh, MDMA and whatever. And Rick Doblin's like, with you, yeah, with you. And I want to tell you, I take pharmaceutical yeah. drugs, and and I'm proud of it. Um, I take 25 cocktails. No, I I, I take uh, I I take a little Vivance sometimes. And I'll tell you, it's really helpful for me. It works. You get canceled for me. around here. Yeah. yeah. Well, Careful. a little Vivance goes right. along. You get canceled in the. This is the only place you get canceled for taking right. a pharmaceutical drug. Well, and it's yeah. funny because you know when I started a private practice in in the mid '90s, I had to spend a lot of time destigmatizing people taking meds, and then big pharma was allowed to advertise, and 9/11 happened, and then forget it. Everybody was taking something, and and over time, instead of me being like, you know, you have these symptoms, I know of a medicine that I think would help these symptoms that, you know, 10 years later, people coming in like, you know, can you tell me the difference between Effexor and Wellbutrin because my friend is on this, but my dental hygienist told me this was better and everyone is just asking for meds, but it's true. Now there's sort of a backlash where uh, people are trying to get off their meds by using microdosing or other um, methods and it's called deprescribing and I think in general uh, it's incredibly uncomfortable and a long uh, process, but uh, potentially there really are better things to be taking than your daily dose. And so that, I think psychiatry is really in a big transition. But you know, psychedelics are all about growth and change and transformational medicine. And I think, and I'm not the first person to say this, but I can say it louder. Uh, these are medicines that help us transform individually, but I think they also potentially can help us transform societally and and culturally, and they're gonna change the field of medicine. They already are. It already, especially because of ketamine, say what you will about ketamine, you know, and there are many, many pros and cons, but it's getting people used to the idea that you can go somewhere, have an experience, leave, feel changed, not, uh, not have to take your daily dose, you know, that there are other ways to treat things. So it's, it's, a, it's a disruptive medicine. It's disrupting uh, a field that really needs disruption. I, you know, I could spend an hour telling you how terrible American healthcare is, but if you live here, you already know. So we, you know, we need change. There was just this very uh, morning show friendly article and um, a white supremacist took MDMA and changed... Oh, oh white supremacist. Supremacist, yeah, yeah. sorry for my... Yeah, yeah. No, 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 and, I, um, I get you. Yeah. So is this like well, weird stuff? And when, I'm going to tell you something. When a, a friend of mine, when, uh, when, a, when, a, any, when any wonderful, beautiful, heart-open... German woman tell, talks to me about white supremacists. I'm listening, German? okay? I am listening. I am right there, and I'm only make that joke with you because I love you. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, they changed their mind. They were white supremacists. They took MDMA, and now they're, yeah. Now they are. Now they're not. I read that, and that, that gets into the whole like, is it a non-specific? Was that a horrible joke? That it's morning show. I can joke about racism, right? Uh, you can a never. A little bit. Oh, um, well, I'm a, as, I'm a as, Jew. as Jews, <laughs> yeah. we're allowed to joke about right. Nazis. I think that's the rule. Yeah, but it's yeah. super mean, though. Right. When it's a beautiful, awesome woman from, um, like, hearts are from, from well, Berlin. Do you, do you have opinions about yeah. this idea that I, people can sort of uh, have fundamental yeah. changes in their beliefs yeah. or actions based on uh, a one-day psychedelic I do. Experience. I think it's possible. I think it's usually unlikely, but I think it's possible. I think it's somewhere between non-specific amplifier and holy shit, it totally changed my mind. You know, I think, I think it just depends on the person, the situation, and where they're at. I have, uh, my, after my first experience uh, with, 
with 5-MeO DMT, I thought it was like, wow, that's so, it was so easy and incredible and it changed, it just was really helpful and really just everyone should do this. And I noticed that there was a bit, I started telling people like to go try it and, and I don't do that as much anymore because I noticed that it was leading people to like, there were certain people that were maybe prone to, they were like thinking about aliens and then they would do it and it would be like, well, I know now aliens are there, of course, and non-specific amplifier, but others that it really changed their mind almost too quickly and they weren't ready for it. So I think it can go either way, you know, I'm, I was thinking about getting divorced, but oh, now all of a sudden I'm divorced. Yeah. I think it can go either way. I think generally it's non-specific amplifiers, but I think there are people where it well, can just boom. I would say that MDMA really isn't, uh, it's not officially a psychedelic and it, you know, many years ago we would never call MDMA a psychedelic. We would say that it's an entheogen or it's an intactogen. Those words never really caught on. But the truth is MDMA isn't a class by itself. It doesn't work pharmacologically the way that the classical psychedelics work and it doesn't really feel or look like a classical psychedelic trip. And um, it is, I could not design a better molecule to act as a catalyst in psychotherapy. This is something that uh, for most people allows them to feel relaxed enough to really dig into that trauma, but also stimulated enough to want to. You know, they stay awake, they remember everything, they're talkative, they remember the trauma, they remember the therapy about the trauma. That's, a, that's just what you want. So, um, and you know, one of the metaphors, there's a couple metaphors for MDMA. All right, there's three. One is this idea that you can do surgery without anesthesia, but you're gonna have to hurry and it's not gonna feel good, versus surgery with anesthesia. And you can kind of think of MDMA with therapy as like you can do the surgery better because it doesn't hurt so much. You can get to that thing that's malignant, take it out, examine it, figure out where it came from without it causing a tremendous psychic pain. Um, so that's one way. The other way I think about it is if, uh, if you're in a, a house with a lot of rooms but all the doors are unlocked, all the lights are on, if you want to go in and look around it's not going to be too scary. But the other one for this purposes is this idea that you get sort of a bird's eye view of the whole playing field. Like if you play video games, it gives you the macro, right? And some people, it turns out they've been playing a video game in a tiny little corner and, and that there's a whole field they haven't explored, but they don't know that until they see the macro. And that's the way I look at the white supremacist transformation, is that he was playing in a little corner of the playing field and he was given a bigger picture and realized that there were other areas that he could be in. Cool. I, I think that's right, by the way. By the way, I'm, I'm still self-conscious, but this is, this is what I have to work. I'm still self-conscious about the joke I made about you being a German. And then she pointed you and said, the white supremacist, you pointed right at, right at him. But, uh, no, but I, I agree with you, Julie, and I'll say one thing about MDMA is uh, I, I <laughs> it's a morning show. You, you asked for it. Uh, Why we do it in I, I fully agree uh, about MDMA. I have seen, for me, I always have uh, very extremely lucid, uh, productive, uh, experiences. I use it a couple times a year now at the most. As I'm getting a little older, it's gone from four or five times a year to like, when will I have time and when will my body, like I don't, can't do it Tuesday. But I agree. Um, for others though, I've seen someone who I'm, I'm very close to, it is, it is actually even at a medium dose, a fully psychedelic experience. I mean, eye mask and music, sure, but work like, like fully psychedelic. Uh, well, however you wanted to find that. So, Meaning but you're, seeing, yeah. you're saying that they had a mystical experience. No, just MDMA. I just mean that they're, they're like the real, real visions and and like like you know kind of out there. Now, for myself, I'll, I'll say my first experience was with MDMA, and it was very healing. Years later, 
I, I'm going to say one thing. Years later, I'll get serious for a minute. About a year ago, uh, there was a, a tragedy in my hometown. Uh, uh, we, we joined the mass shooting uh, club, uh, which sucks. And it was uh, difficult. I was about, um, to fast forward, I worked with MDMA, uh, not thinking of it as healing from that. I thought of it as our little couples therapy. And am I getting the thing? All right, I'll end it on a very serious note. And I, I, I had a, an amazing experience because for the first time being in this field, helping, we helped MAPS raise some money and blah, blah, blah. I, I, was, I was actually kind of going through this trauma and the week that disappeared in my life in, in, in this beautiful, gentle way. I thought I was just doing a little couples therapy with my wife. And I, I imagine like every article I've ever read about PTSD and, and veterans, you know, with PTSD and, and women, you know, with, uh, you know, rape victims. And I, and I, I, I forgave myself for, for this sort of secondary trauma that I realized that I was also experiencing PTSD. And to see that zoomed out and feel so good on the inside. And then, by the way, I got back to work. Like, I was like, all right, we gotta get back to work. Like, all this drama about is MAPS gonna raise money, is it not? It was like, I have a few hundred people in my hometown that could use that tomorrow. And, you know, some underground uh, uh, resources will not be appropriate for them because they will also need professionals who are, who are used to, you know, to dealing with complex trauma. Some might be appropriate for underground and some might need Resources, you know, people who have the right pedigree to, quite frankly, to work with that level of trauma. So that's my. That's a mic drop moment right there. Morning show jokes over. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, yeah, I want to thank you both for joining us. Our next guest is going to join us, but can you all just uh, say one more time where your talks are today, or when? Oh lordy, where it's ten thirty at Four Seasons One. Huh. I know. Sounds right. Listen, uh, I don't have my phone on me, or I would scroll and check right now, but uh, Earth and Fire Arrow would have my phone. I don't want to tell you why. Look at this. My are not up yet. Calendar. Ready? So, oh, you know, I want to make one little complaint about the app. It's like, I want to know who is speaking where. I don't want to know the stupid title of a talk. It's not relevant. I mean, like, put the speakers, and then... And then the title. So that's very frustrating. They'll sort that out in about four years. And it's like a really long title and I have to look and see who the speaker is because that's, you know, what it's all about. Well, that sucks because I actually designed the app for Maps. Oh, I'm really a, sorry. I'm joking. It's I'm great, kidding. It's I'm good. Kidding. It's the... Uh, no, it's good. Mine is at... Um, it, it's going to be good. I, I'm going to come up with what we're going to talk about. and It's going to be good. It's called... <laughs> ironically, it's called Growing Up. The next cycle, <laughs> no one's ever accused me of growing up. The next cycle of venture funding capital for psychedelic companies, it's at noon in Mile High. Oh, pardon the wordplay. And by the way, it's me, uh, it's Andrew Chomer from Integrated. Uh, he's fantastic. And Sasha Baron Cohn. Uh, oh, I'm serious. Ice skater. Not oh, Baron, no Baron. Oh, Sasha Cohn, who's amazing. Baron Cohn. Olympic. <laughs> figure skater and I That's watched enough. her performance yeah. all right, right thank then. you <laughs> yeah. thanks everybody I get the cane <laughs> thanks Joe thanks Anne <laughs> you have another guest to make room for clearly it's fine all right well right. thank you both yeah we could easily do it for hours yeah and can't wait for more thanks thank you and Melissa and Tracy T
Our right. Melissa Lavasani from the Psychedelic Medicine Coalition, Decriminalized DC. And yes. uh, what's the name of the new um, organization, Psychedelic Medicine Advocacy? Yes, that's correct. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so we'll get really deep on these things in a moment. Then we have Tracy T from Moms on Mushrooms. Also, uh, uh, I want to throw out all sorts of comedy jokes, but I can't. You can. It's okay. I'm not afraid of my past. <laughs> Last comic standing. Like, I actually don't know what you've done. Oh, I uh, was. I role. actually was formerly a comedian. I maybe still am. I don't know. But yeah, I, you had a comedy know. show. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, and also uh, very recently featured on, uh, what was the TV show? Uh, Dr. Phil. Dr. Oh, wow. Phil. He's yeah, not my favorite doctor. My <laughs> favorite doctor. We really had a great time talking, me and Phil. <laughs> yeah. And we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, how are you settling into the conference? Um, I feel like I've been here for a week and a half, but I was just here for one day, so... It's really nice to be here with so many people. Some I've met before in person, some I haven't. Um, I feel like the entire psychedelic ecosystem's here, so I'm trying to cover as much ground as I possibly can because I'm over on the East Coast where there's fewer of us than I'd like to have, but um, it's been great. Awesome. How about you, Tracy? Uh, it's been amazing. Yeah, I feel like I'm in a time warp uh, fluorescent light portal, but um, gosh, I was just reflecting on yesterday and like just the palpable heart open love that's here. It sounds very psychedelic, but it's true in the passion of, of everyone that's here and the commitment to this, to this movement, to this space, to this medicine um, and the support that I'm receiving and like I'm feeling among everybody, just the community all the like buzzwords are actually happening. And so as Moms on Mushrooms, that's the foundation of our, our current medicine, even though we like to talk about all psychedelics, but I just feel like this web, you know, the mycelial web is really growing and it's just been such a treat to, yeah, meet people, all our internet friends are like alive and in person and they, they're real people. So it's been great. So Melissa and me, we were early internet friends, you could say because we did this great podcast with her about talking about her story, like, I mean, that you know, like how she made her way to mushrooms. So, and we were always making fun in this podcast of, like, because she was the normal mom kind of getting into this. And now I feel like there are so many normal moms that, I mean, yes. also in Europe, I mean, you guys are doing this greatly in America, but even in Berlin, for example, I know a lot of moms. I'm not one of them because I'm not a mom, but I'm microdosing anyway. So, um, <laughs> but I know a lot of moms who are just doing this now and they're not waiting for any person to tell them, oh, now this is an opportunity. So I would be interested, how, when did this become like such a big thing suddenly? I mean, it, it was always there, but I feel now also what Joe tells me and what you guys are doing, it feels like the last six months to a year, there's this fast forward thing. Why is that? Um, it's because of Dr. Phil. He really loves moms who microdose. I'm joking. He does not. Um, no, I think that uh, if, I'm, if I'm being very honest, I think it's the anomaly that our society is very intrigued by the idea that a mother, and I think we still have a very traditional perhaps outdated view of what a mother is and what a mother 
um, is allowed to do. I think we forget that mothers are also women who happen to be moms. And so the idea that a mother would take her healing into her own hands, um, walk away from numbing out, walk away from the traditional uh, methods that we've been told we're allowed to do, which truly is mommy's little helper. It's that idea that, oh, you, you can take a Valium and how cute for you and go back to your bridge group and hopefully you can deal with your things. Or it's fine for you to have your martinis in the afternoon. We understand just you can be a little bit drunk. Or the mommy wine dates. And I was that mom. I was the mom who drank a bottle of Chardonnay at night, you know, and my kid was really young. And so that has all been fine. The society can accept that mom, but the society can't really, doesn't know what to do with an awoke, an awakened, um, empowered mom who's present and who is like, I'm gonna fix not only my current traumas, my current things that are bothering me, but I'm gonna fix the past and I'm gonna change the narrative and I'm gonna pave my own way in the future. And it's just, it's, it's just something that everyone's very curious about. And I think that's why it's become such a movement. And the fascinating thing is that mothers are like, you just nailed it. And like mothers are now giving themselves permission to do something that society says we shouldn't do. And I was just at the booth yesterday talking to someone and hugging and crying and hearing all these stories and we looked at each other and I go, we're literally doing nothing wrong. And we both just stared at each other like, we're not doing anything wrong. And it was like, we have to keep repeating it over and over and over that we're not doing anything wrong. And so I think that's, that's why it's been such a buzzy thing. How about you, Melissa? I mean, quite honestly, I think the pandemic changed a lot of people, and one of the groups most impacted was parents. And with our children being at home for extended periods of time, um, us having to take on role of a teacher, um, cleaner, cook all day long, we're all trapped in a house, it, it put enough pressure on the system for some of us to reevaluate how uh, we live our lives. And, you know, I think so, we give so much to our families, like we literally give our bodies to our children and we're happy to do that. But um, for us to be the parents that we can be, you know, we need to, it's really cheesy, but like you need to take care of yourself first. And then you can, whatever is overflowing, you give to your family and uh, your career, whatever else your priorities are. And the pandemic kind of forced us into this position where we're like really faced with our issues and imbalances in our family that needed to be corrected. Um, you know, I know in my, in my household, it really evened the scales with like household work. Um, I was microdosing before before the pandemic, but I, I've seen firsthand with other moms that I know in DC that they are, they, they were fed up with what the options were. And this is a way of kind of taking some control back over their lives and having some autonomy over themselves and their health. So um, we're really excited to be doing what we're doing and just hope to reach out to many more moms, even moms that aren't microdosing or involved with psychedelics, but you know, are interested in the conversation about this, about mental health and about healthcare and how we can kind of take ownership back of our lives. So Tracy, can you tell us a little bit about your project and what you're up to? Yes, uh, so Moms on Mushrooms um, 
Moms on Mushrooms was created truly from my own psychedelic mushroom journey. When I started microdosing and just felt my life go like this, um, you know, I, I took classes, I watched podcasts, all the things, and it was amazing. But what I realized is that mothers, I didn't have a lot in common with a lot of the people that were also marketed. There wasn't a lot of moms. And then the more I worked with this medicine, I just thought, okay, this just hits different when you're a mother. You approach this differently. You come to this with different concerns. Um, you, we heal in a, in a different way. We don't have the three hours of meditation and yoga and journaling and everything in the morning. I mean, I'm like sipping my cacao microdose while I'm making school lunch and I'm drinking it on the way to car drop, you know, like Love to this. school drop off. Yeah. Dream. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> No, I mean, the, no, no complaints. It's just, I just was like, I'm a fish out of water here. And so Moms on Mushrooms is just a place for what I feel, first of all, I feel like um, psychedelic medicine should be done in community, especially mushrooms. Um, they want to be, they, they want us to be together. That's the point, right? Um, and so I thought, well, if we can bring moms together, and, and like Melissa said, we were, we've, we've become less communicative than more, even in this connected world. And so truly, I, first, first problem, moms need to start talking to each other. Moms need to remember that we can support each other. Moms need to admit that things are hard, that it's not great all the time. You can still hate your life and love your life at the same time. That is okay. You can have a hard day. And so moms need to start talking. And then I thought, let's use this medicine as the foundation of that of that talking and start with microdosing because I also feel like our society as a culture, the Western society, we don't have any context with this medicine. We don't have any relationship to it. So let's start slow. Let's work with the mushrooms a little by little. We made it this far without it. And let's peel back those onion layers together and see what comes up. So that's how Moms on Mushrooms was born. We're an online community. We have microdosing classes, three-month cohorts for groups of 10 or less women so that we really are intimate and start talking. But we also have larger group cohorts if, if small groups aren't your thing. And then we have a monthly membership um, that's kind of like Facebook for Moms on Shrooms. Uh, it's $4 a month. And, and that really, it's called The Grow. And that's for seasoned psychonauts and practitioners who are mothers to women who just don't want to follow hashtag psilocybin on Instagram, which is a terrible idea, and are just circling circling the pond. And, and I think that we can all just learn and grow together. And so there's resources inside the inside the community, you know, podcasts to listen to. Psychedelics Today is like a long list. Listen to this one. What? Listen to this one. Listen to that. Uh, books. And then just ask questions from other moms. And I think that shared experience of motherhood and microdosing grows that web. So that's what we are. Beautiful. And Melissa, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your organizations? My organizations. Yeah, um, you're multiple. Yes. You're multiple C's. Yeah. What have I created? I'm get you up to 10 soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my first organization was Psychedelic Medicine Coalition, a member association that represents um, various stakeholders in the movement in Washington, D.C. So we are a conduit to the federal government. Um, so biotech companies, pharma, practitioners, you name it, the full gamut um, are, can be involved in PMC. 
Um, we've hosted two congressional briefings. Um, we've educated over 250 member offices on the Hill. Um, we are building our relationship with the federal government and taking a different approach to advocacy than maybe prior movements, uh, reform movements in the past. So, you know, we, we see this as a, a long-term relationship with the federal government. We don't want to be antagonistic. We want to, to, we want them to perceive us as a partner in this so that like we can get them to where we need them to be. And it is uh, a long-term commitment, but uh, I, I think that psychedelics show a lot of promise that, you know, maybe the cannabis movement hasn't um, with, the, with Congress. And um, we, we are just happy to do that work. We also have Psychedelic Medicine Advocacy, which is a C4 advocacy organization, and that's related to the Political Action Committee that we created uh, a couple months ago, where we are, where we're doing direct lobbying on the PMC side. We need to kind of cover the political ground that we need to um, with the. Uh, Americans and with politicians running for office. So um, there's, it's like a multi-pronged approach. You, you lobby directly and that's one piece of making change, but you also need to activate people around the country so that they are excited to dig into this issue and they're motivated to call up their member of Congress and say, I, I want to see you support psychedelic research and advance the science of this field and why are you not doing that? So that's what P PMA and the PAC really do is to engage people about the progress that we can make at the federal level. Because, you know, there's, we've seen cannabis move state by state and then think of federal as, a, as an afterthought. What we're trying to do with psychedelics is make it a more top-down approach, make this a public health issue, and not necessarily, you know, what kind of investment you can get in the psychedelic space. Like, it's, it's more like, let's get the federal government to put some skin in the game, put some money towards research, and kind of lead the charge with this issue so that it is a public good and, and, it can, and become accessible to so many people. Do you, all, um, do you have any stage time later? Um, are you giving any panels or talks? Yes, I'm talking, what, what day? Today's Thursday? Yes. <laughs> Maybe. It is. I'm talking tomorrow uh, um, at 5 p.m., so I'm pretty sure everyone's going to be drunk. Um, uh, on the Colorado, Oregon track, uh, unresolved issues within the psychedelic space um, with some really beautiful panelists. And, I don't uh, know where. <laughs> I am talking at 2.30 tomorrow in the policy room. Um, it's, I don't know the exact name of the panel, but it's um, policy options that are, range from visionary to pragmatic. I, of course, am representing the pragmatic side of the policy <laughs> pursuit. So, yeah. I'm always trying to keep us really grounded in what we can get done. So, um, really looking forward to that. You guys should all go, whoever used this. Those guys are amazing. Yeah, policy stuff's amazing. The mom topic is amazing. Like, the parents generally need a lot more support in this whole movement. Yeah. It's incredible. You've been a great example for a lot of people, so thank you. Yeah, yeah. And you're really getting loud, too, Tracy, so thank you. Or please stay loud. 
Thank, Thank you. you. Can, um, speaking of loud, can we can we do a plug for what we're doing on Friday day? Really yes. quick? Yes. Um, so the reason Melissa and I are up here together is because we've co-founded a new advocacy group, another C, another C for Melissa. Another We're five now. Yeah, you're obsessed. Um, called Millions of Moms. Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, so the intention for Millions of Moms is just to come out of the psychedelic closet and show that we are fine, upstanding, normal, clear-headed, present mothers who are not ashamed to work with psychedelic medicine. So what we are asking is that moms and advocates of mothers join us at the Blue Bear in front of this convention center and this historic psychedelic convening um, and just gather and come out of the psychedelic closet together and just stop apologizing for our own mental health choices. So it's at 11 o'clock outside the convention center and there's 150 free t-shirts for the first 150 attendees. However, we're well past 300 RSVPs. You can go to millionsofmoms.com to um, find out more about it. And the intention is that we're going to kick this off tomorrow or tomorrow, Friday. We're going to kick this off on Friday and we're going to do it again sometime in 2024 in D.C. with even more mothers. Yeah, we want to know that. Like, what, when there's any date, please. Yeah, when we get the day locked down, we're trying to tie it with some of the lobbying work that we're doing next year that we're kind of planning out. Um, hopefully, we could get a million moms in Washington, yeah, D.C. That's our vision. Talking, doing a hill crawl and talking to legislators about... Uh, the science around psychedelics and urging them to per pursue this. Uh, moms can be our very credible, powerful voice on the Hill, and we're hoping to leverage that for the psychedelic space. Amazing. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Tracy, Thanks Melissa, you really, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, we're going to do a photo, and Hadas, could you join us on stage? Thank you. Yeah. Welcome, Hadass. <laughs> I love this long coat. I wish I had that one. Hi. Welcome. Nice Great to see you. Hi, we're Amazing. <laughs> so, Hadass, welcome. Um, to introduce you, what are you up to these days? What am I up to these days? Um, I'm, well, uh, I'm the director of government affairs for APA, the American Psychedelic Practitioners Association. Um, I've also been working on the Shulgin Foundation, which is a new organization. Did not know that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Spilling the tea. It's a new foundation um, that uh, Wendy, Anne's daughter, decided to start. And it's basically all about honoring the legacy of Anne and Sasha and continuing their community work and exploration of what it means to be a human being um, on this earth, and workshops, classes, on the farm, all the things. Have you heard about this? No, I mean, I just literally- It's like, super new. Just we're, having a, we're having a party tonight. I don't know any of the details, but I just texted someone to send them to me so I can announce it and invite people. Okay. 45 new experimental molecules. Kidding, yeah. okay. kidding. <laughs> Well, that's good. Um, yeah, I've been uh, in conversation with Peter Vitale for a little while, and yeah. he's an impressive character helping with the foundation as well. I'm really uh, excited to learn more, and if we can figure out ways to work with the Shogun Foundation, can't wait. Yeah, we want to. So what is your, um, like, how, how do you prepare for such a historic event almost? Do you just... 
The number of text threads I'm on with my girlfriends planning outfits okay. is outrageous. Uh, I feel like I'm, I'm basically a, a stylist now because I've yes, no. I mean, not for me, but like I've... Clearly with this jacket. You are. Well, the jacket is actually just because it's so cold in here. The AC yesterday was blasting and I feel like, honestly, I blame the patriarchy. I think that AC is always tuned to men's I totally bodies. agree. I think and that's so, real, actually. Yeah. I was also sweating all day yesterday, so... Okay, there you go. So that's why I'm wearing this. The first person who really... I, I'm so on your theory here, because it's exactly how I feel. I'm like, dude, like, I am fucking can't wear my dress because it's too cold. It's insane. <laughs> They're trying to freeze us out. Don't let them. <laughs> it's a fun party trick. So uh, can you tell us a little bit more about APA? Yes, yeah. of course. So APA is the American Psychedelic Practitioners Association. We are basically two things. Um, we're the National Association for all types of practitioners, all walks of life, all ways of practicing, not just, you know, licensed, not just underground, everybody. Um, and the reason we were really intentional about defining practitioner so broadly is because we realized early on that along with training and mentorship and supervision, there's a magic that happens when you talk to people who aren't in your lane um, and share wisdom with people who are practicing in a completely different way and have had different experiences with patients or clients. And I think there's also sort of like a loneliness um, for practitioners that, that we've been hearing about doing this work if you're not able to do it in community, if you're not able to connect, like we hear all the time, I'm the only person I know doing ketamine-assisted therapy in Utah, and we know that there's more people, but they don't, and so connecting people is a big part of it. And then the more, like, I don't know, I guess boring to some people, interesting to me part is building field infrastructure. So we're doing professional practice guidelines, clinical practice guidelines, and I think probably most importantly, we're putting together core competencies for an accreditation program. So eventually you'll have APA accredited training programs, um, graduates of which will be eligible to sit for the BPMT certification exam. So we'll have certified practitioners so patients and clients can know what they're getting and insurers can come in and feel more confident reimbursing people. Um, hospitals can know who they're hiring, et cetera, et cetera. Usually wait till 10 a.m. to have acronyms that long. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so but I want to hear a little bit more about the foundation because and it's interesting that like it seems that there's a need also to bring these kind of classic psychedelic contacts into the next phase of what we're experiencing now. So what do you think is important? How do you do this, basically? Because you could also say, okay, this is kind of historic, and now there's a new way of talking about these things. But I feel like the need for also like being have, knowing the story of Amanda Fielding, for example, what she actually has done the last 70 years where everybody else was not doing this. <laughs> so, but what about, how, how is that, say, the, the strategy to bring this back to the now or like to the future, back to the future? So it's a good question. We don't fully know yet. Um, we're figuring it out. Peter Vitali, who's really leading the charge in supporting Wendy in doing this, has been incredible in that he is endlessly patient and just 
wants to crowdsource from people who knew the Shulgins, who hung out on the farm, um, who have these like deep, meaningful life stories that relate to those two people and really feel like they're part of that family. Um, and he's just, yeah, he wants to know what, like, what would they want if they were alive right now? How would they want to preserve their own legacy? Um, which I think is always a good place to start. And he's also really willing to, which has been a huge part of starting this, um, he can hold a lot of space for people yelling at him, which has been like a lot of it, honestly. Because like, no one knows what to do. No one's ever done any of this shit before. And it's like, like, everyone has different ideas of what is right and what's wrong and what's blasphemy and like, um, yeah, so it's pretty dramatic, but he really is committed to, on the one hand, like, this is moving forward as a real project, not everyone's gonna love it, and like, let's take as much as we can from as many people as we can in terms of input and make this, you know, meaningful and new. So do you have any stage appearances coming up? I've or so this is my last one. Um, yeah, so I'm kind of like a free, a free agent after this. Um, I did a presentation for the Psychedelic Bar Association um, on the policy landscape with Izzy, actually, which was really fun, on Tuesday. And then I spoke about, uh, I moderated panels about Colorado and Oregon yesterday. Wonderful. Well, where can we follow you on Twitter, Instagram? We never had that question before, which you normally have on a morning show, right? I mean, so where do you follow people on? Okay, so I like would have to check my phone because <laughs> I don't go on either. Honestly, I'm much more active on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is your place. Um, okay. I met my boyfriend on LinkedIn. So it's oh, really like the way that's an act whole interesting topic. Yeah. You need a whole new Dreamy. for this. Yeah. <laughs> Super romantic. All right, well, thank you for helping us close out the morning show, Hadas. Really appreciate it. It's great to hear. Thank you all for attending. Yeah. We'll see you around. Anne Felipe, Joe Moore. Tomorrow morning, same thing. With sex be and fun. psychedelics, just saying. Yeah. 45 guests tomorrow. Thank you all. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the New Health Club Show. And please follow us on Twitter. Instagram, Facebook, or if you would like to sign up for our newsletter, please go to www.thenewhealthclub.de and subscribe to the newsletter. Again, please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse, of course, there's also a new health club now, or even better, sign up to our newsletter on thenewhealthclub.de. I talk to you very soon.